Hey guys, welcome back to the Video Edge podcast. My guest today is author Sue Williams. Her business, Authors on Tour, is less than three years old, and in a year's time, she wants to have her paid membership up and running with at least 30 members. Her ultimate business goal is to be running this membership successfully around writing and promoting books with a team. Sue has told me that her challenges include having a partnership that stalled after a short time due to life circumstances, but they're now ready to pick up and get going again, establishing an online presence and building a following. This is The Video Edge, a podcast designed to help grow your business by overcoming the barriers you face when creating video content. We're brought to you by Shoot For The Moon. If you're serious about overcoming the video content creation challenges that you and many other business owners and entrepreneurs face, then you're in the right place. Every episode, we spotlight content creation challenges so that you can grow your business by this conversation. If you're new to the show, basically, I get to talk to an entrepreneur. They've got a challenge and we talk about it for half an hour. That challenge is always around video content creation and video marketing. And I go through what I would do to overcome these challenges. So if you do love the show, please just give it a little review and subscribe because that helps more than you know. Before we meet today's guest, I just want to let you know that we have courses available in the Video Production Academy. They are low ticket, but packed full of value. The on-demand videos are bite-sized and accompanied by workbooks, cheat sheets, and all manner of goodies to help you on your video content creation journey. You can check them out on the website, videoproductionacademy.co.uk. Wherever you are in the world, as long as you have an internet connection, you can learn from the comfort of your own home using the courses, or better still, the Shoot for the Moon membership. This is a training platform that we've created to help entrepreneurs grow their business. We're going back to the podcast in just a moment, but I want to take this opportunity to tell you about Shoot for the Moon. What is it? Well, it's all about having me as your coach without the thousands of pounds worth of price tag. You can have me and others teach and coach you in your business every single week. Videos on demand, strategies and tactics, cheat sheets to prove the stuff that I know will positively impact your business. Sounds fantastic? Well, it is when you hear the price. It will cost you £47 a month. That's less than a pair of Nikes to empower your voice and perfect your presence. And I want you to try it for free because I know it works, tried, tested and proven. Here's what you can do. There's a link to it in the show notes and I guarantee you can impact your business positively in those two weeks, as long as you are ready to get out of your comfort zone. Now, let's get back to the podcast. So let's welcome Sue to the show. Hi, Sue. It's great to have you here today. Hi, thank you, Lee. Yes, it's great to be here as well. Looking forward to our chat. Oh, absolutely. This is the first time in a while that I've actually been speaking to somebody in the UK. I seem to tour the world via Zoom and Riverside and podcasts. So it's nice to not be that far away. Yeah. Not that you'd know, really. Which... No, that's true. That's very true. So what I'd like to do to kick off is, can you introduce yourself and your business in 60 seconds or less? Yeah, I'm Sue Williams. I'm an author and poet. And the business is called Authors on Tour. And it's aimed at people who are writers and they might already have published a book or they might be writing their first book or they might just be writing for leisure. So it's to really provide support, encouragement and accountability to writers. Perfect. Now, 
you said that you've got three challenges. So I want to have a look at these challenges and sort of see what you've tried before and where you've been up to now. So you said that it's quite a new partnership that you have, but it had a bit of a difficult start, but you're ready to get going again now. That's right. Yeah, because it's a partnership, obviously, there's two of us. Um, we got off to a start January 2022, and we were doing monthly Zooms with experts. So we'd had about six or seven of those monthly Zooms. And then my partner who I work with, Jan Dryden, she had a few difficulties moving house and various other things, unexpected sort of things that arose. And because it's kind of like a partnership, it was quite, quite difficult really to keep it going, especially if we don't live near each other either. So we decided to, we've got a Facebook group at the moment as well. So we decided to keep the Facebook group just taken over by really sort of posting Mindful Mondays, Writing Wednesdays, Feedback Fridays. So it's a nice pattern that you can easily remember. <laughs> I'm really sort of wait until things were back on an even keel before we started up again. So that's really why I kind of, you know, contacted you about this session because we are now sort of ready to get back going. And as well as going back to doing these sort of calls with experts, we want to set up the membership as well. Okay, that's perfect. It's great that you now sort of all your ducks are in a row, as it were, and you're good to get going again. I think it can be quite difficult when you take time out. I feel that sometimes it's a bit like jumping rope. You step out of it, but the rope carries on going and then you have to try and jump back in again. And I know certainly for me, because I took a couple of months off at the end of last year, trying to then jump back in was actually more difficult than I think starting up from scratch. So I think it's great that you're at this stage and you're ready to get going. Yeah, that's right. So it is obviously important to... I think get momentum, build momentum and, and get into that sort of, well, I suppose part of it is working out the structure and whether we are going to be using video to a large extent or setting up a podcast or how we're actually going to go about it. So certainly we know it's going to be a membership and I think video would be quite helpful as well with that. Definitely. And I think the idea of looking at an overall strategy, because challenge number two is establishing your online presence. Working for an overall strategy is certainly a lot more helpful than trying to do it on an ad hoc basis. I think it's along the lines of, oh, we need to do this. Let's put a post out there. We know it's something we need to do. Let's do something rather than having a strategy that says, okay, what's the big picture? What do we want to achieve? And then look at how we take the steps to do that smart in, in a backwards. You actually work it in reverse. I think the idea of doing a podcast is great because it gives you an opportunity to speak to different people, to network with them. You're also more likely to be a guest on somebody else's podcast when you have a podcast of your own. But what a podcast will do is like this one, we're doing video and audio. It's actually no more difficult to do the two than it is to do the one. Because depending on what software you use, I use the script editing software. So I edit the video. And then I just, it's called rendering out. It's like saving the file. So you render out, you export the file as an audio and you export the file as a video. So all you've done is save it twice into two different formats. And then you can put the podcast out there onto all the regular podcast platforms. But you've also got the video version to capture for the YouTube audience as well. 
And I would always recommend YouTube because it is a search engine, not a social media platform. So it's much more stable, doesn't have algorithm changes all the time. With social media, it's always on the move. It's quite fluid. They can change something out. And so what you've done one day doesn't work the next. The good thing about doing a larger piece of content, whether it's a podcast or a video, is you can then look at it and say, okay, within that, what can I do to take elements out? And they then become like trailers. So you'll have nugget things that you say that you go, oh, I like that. And you can lift that out and create a little piece of short form content. And then that, you send it back to your YouTube or you send it back to your podcast or you send it back to your website. So it's about working smarter, not harder. So if Mm. you were to have a look and say, okay, in order to fulfill a year's worth of content, I need to have 50 ideas of what it is that I would like to produce. Might feel a bit much, but if I said, well, could you have 12 ideas about what you would like to produce? That then gets a little bit easier to say, well, actually, that's not too difficult because, and then you could reel off 12 different elements of writing or publication or marketing or whatever element it is that you're dealing with even if there's like a 12-step process to do what you do and then for each of those say okay let's have a look at four different ideas that we would want to tackle within that subject now i wouldn't suggest that you work from one through to 48 in a linear way because i think to do that um then people end up waiting too long to get to particular bits of content. Yes, yes. I I randomize it and mix it up. And the way I do that is I write it all down on sticky notes and then I move them around into a different order to get the order that I want. Once you have that strategy and that structure in place, it makes it much, much easier to actually produce what it is that you want to produce as well, even down to bringing in guest experts because you know These are the 12 subjects that you're dealing with. You're going to want 12 guest experts that are dealing with that. So you can put very specific feelers out around that as well. So it makes it so you're not having to go from ground zero every time you're doing a piece of content. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You can reuse your content as well. So even with your short form video, after 12 months, you can start popping it out again in different ways. With the YouTube content, it can take a while for it to sort of get any traction with it. But if you find that actually it's not particularly working, change the title, change the thumbnail, just see what's happening, but just always keep an eye on your analytics. But it is that big picture, I think, then working down the way makes it so it's a lot less overwhelming to deal with. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes it sound more manageable as you're talking, actually. A question springs to mind. So with the Zoom recordings that we've already done, Yes. Are we able to use that? Did oh. you call it Descript? Yeah, the software's called Descript. And you can use anything. If you've got stuff you've already done, yes, 100% use it. Absolutely 100% use it. Now, the software's really clever because you upload the file, your video file into it, and it creates a transcript from your video. And you edit the transcript and that edits the video but it makes it really easy to then lift elements out because one piece of content might be lifting your own quotes from the piece. So it might have been that you were doing an interview with somebody and they said something that was really smart or you said something that was really smart. 
So then you can lift that as a quote and put it out there as part of your content. So the content doesn't always have to be video. It doesn't always have to be long form. It doesn't always have to be photos. The best content is a mix and match of lots of different things because different things catch different people's eyes. So with creating a quote, you just have a graphic in Canva that's the same graphic each time and you just swap out the words. And you can even put, that goes back to episode whatever it is when you interviewed that person. So if you've got pre-existing content, you can have a look at all of that and say, okay, what's the best way to use that? You maybe want to put it together as a YouTube playlist. You might want to chop it down because one piece of work could maybe make four or five videos quite easily just by almost taking it down to like a chapter. So you make like a mini series out of it. And that's a lot easier to start from something you've already recorded rather than starting all over again. Yeah. Right. Even if you no. just make the sound bites out of it, then that still makes it so you've got that short form content, which it goes out in the vertical format. So like your phone. But the same content can go out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok without much of a change at all. The actual video can stay the same. It's just a little bit of wording difference because what you would say on Facebook is very different than what you would say on LinkedIn. And on TikTok, you've only got 150 characters, so it's really little with what you need to say on that one. So you can play with it, but just keep the main thing the main thing. Okay. We're on LinkedIn and Instagram, okay. but we're not on TikTok. That's fine. You go with what you know. I don't really know TikTok particularly well, but I thought the format fits, so let's use it. And we'll see how it goes. It's an interesting one. TikTok seems to have two very distinct sides. So there is the silly dancey side that people talk about, but actually people use TikTok for education a lot. And they're actually just promoting STEM at the moment. So there's a whole different side of it that's going to be looking at science, technology, engineering, and maths. Okay. Which is really interesting that they're kind of going down that route. So they're definitely encouraging education as well. Do you use a social media scheduler at the moment for your content? Not at the moment, no. So one of the clever things with using a scheduler is you can plan this content out in advance. And you literally could do a piece of work that's got 12, I'll use 12 because it's easy maths. It's got 12 elements to it. And you say, well, it's okay. I'm going to put one in April, one in May, one in June. And you put it out there on the scheduler. And when it comes around to that time, the scheduler posts it out for you. Now, the reason that it's clever, depending on which one you choose, is it can then, it will post to Facebook, to Instagram, to LinkedIn, to wherever you want it to go. So you don't have to post it out four or five times. It just does it for you. So you can actually upload the post once. And then it does all of it for you on the back of that. You can use Pinterest as well. So Pinterest is a possibility. And again, Pinterest is a search engine, not a social media platform. And people that are on Pinterest are ones that are already looking for answers. So it's a different one to have a think about as well. Okay, that's interesting. So would you recommend any particular scheduler? I'm using one at the moment called Metricool, which is an Australian one. I like it because it has really good analytics. I've only literally started to use it in the last month and I'm finding it really easy to use. And what I like about it is the fact that you can, like I said, you have to change your wording a little bit depending on where it is you're posting to. So you can upload 
your video or your graphic once, and then you tell it that you want to edit by platform. So then you click on the Facebook icon and you get a blank page where you can put in the Facebook words. And then you click on the LinkedIn one, you put in the LinkedIn words, and it will then save it as however many posts. And then it will push it out and you can duplicate as well. So there's lots of functionality with it. And it's actually one of the less expensive ones on the market. I think it's $15 a month. And I know I've used other schedulers that have been much, much more expensive. For me, it means that I get my content done for the week. Bearing in mind, I've got four different elements because I've got the Video Production Academy page, the Mobile Video Lab group, the Shoot for the Moon membership. I'm also dealing with the podcast and with YouTube. I'm dealing with Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, going to be doing Pinterest. So it means that I can get all of that done within a couple of hours. And actually, the more I'm using it, the quicker I'm getting. So mm -hmm. today I did IT Central's social media for this week in about 45 minutes, which at one time was taking me three hours. So right. the yeah. of having a strategy and having a scheduler has speeded me up considerably. Yeah. Okay. That's, that probably sounds good. Okay. So your next challenge really is to build a following. Yes. Where are you at at the moment for that? Um, in the Facebook group, I think we've got about 128 people at the moment. Okay. We haven't started. We'll need to obviously set up the email list and everything. But at the moment, all we've got is the people who are in the Facebook group and some on LinkedIn as well. So how have you been attracting the Facebook people? Uh, largely people that I think we've already had contact with in the past, to be honest. So have you got a thought about how you would maybe want to take that forward? Because if it's a Facebook group, do people have to join to be able to see what's in it? Yes, they do. They do. I suppose we've thought about maybe doing some sort of challenge that would lead people to sign up and join the Facebook group. Um, so something like a five-day challenge, probably we're thinking. I think that's a great idea. That's a really, really good idea. And what you can do is ask the people that are already in your group to invite other people to be part of the challenge. So they all become your ambassadors. Well, same with your LinkedIn people, although you'll probably get a different response on LinkedIn. But yeah, get them involved in it as well to bring more people in and tell them why you're doing it. Tell them you want to build your community and take it from there. If you make it so you have things that people want to share, that's a great way of building your following. And a lot of times people build Facebook groups using Facebook Live. So they'll actually go on and do lives every week. Or I mean, some people do it every day, which I think is a bit dotty myself, but you know, and they'll go and do a Facebook Live every week. And then people talk about it and they bring other people in to see it, which is a good way of working. And I think people have more grace for Facebook Lives they don't expect it to be perfect. They don't expect it to be slick. They understand that there's always a bit of the beginning going, are we live? Are we on? Are we not on? Yes. And at the end, there's no yep. way to leak it bit where you're looking for a button to sort of switch it off and you're trying to sort of keep smiling at the camera even though you're looking for a button at the same time. <laughs> yep. So I think people are better with that and you've got the interactive element as well with it. Yeah. Okay. So have you got any tips for Facebook Lives and for running? effective Facebook lives? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things to do is fit it within your strategy. 
So it might be that you have, say you were choosing to do a Facebook Live a week. You would maybe have four different Facebook Lives that you would do. So one of them maybe would be an, an Ask Me Anything. So at the end of the month, the last whatever day of the month that you're going to do, it's an Ask Me Anything. So there's no prep required particularly for it. But you could have four different elements. We were exploring this for the Video Production Academy and we had a behind the lens and we had more information with Ben, a live video editing with me. And I can't remember what the fourth one was, but it meant that it was a cycle that went round. And again, because you've got a format, you're not trying to reinvent something every month. It makes it a lot easier. It takes a little bit of training to actually get your people involved with it. And mm -hmm. don't be disappointed if you only get one or two on while you get going. A lot of people watch it afterwards. Try and keep it to maybe 10, 15 minutes. can be less. If it works out at seven, that's great. Make sure you've got some things prepped beforehand. So even if it was, say, an ask me anything, you could actually put a post up in your Facebook group the week before and say, next Friday, we're going to do an ask me anything. Send me a message with the questions that you would like to ask or turn up live on the day. What that does is it means you can prep some questions and they won't know they wasn't asked in the group. Right. So you have these questions of like, oh, Catherine sent me this question. She wants to ask. And it's fine to do that. It's what happens in the industry. When I first started working in radio, my very, very first day at this radio station, there was a live competition on air. So I'm watching the studio. And the guy says, that's great. You've won. You can choose A, B, or C envelopes. In one, there is a gift voucher. In one, there's this big prize. And in one, there's something else. And this person said, oh, envelope B. And the guy ripped the corner of his script. There was no envelopes. And he went, you've won a gift voucher. And I was stood outside of the studio, absolutely agape. Like, oh, he just cheated. It's, but it's okay because nobody knows. And we carried on working for that radio station for quite a while. And we would have a quiz that would go out. It was a Sunday afternoon. Nobody would phone in to answer the questions. So my other half would go out of the studio into the office and phone in as Tim. Tim's on the line. So Tim, let's answer the questions and he'd get them wrong because it made people go, Oh, Tim's such an idiot. And then they took that phone in and all the lines would light up. So you can do things to make your life easier. It's smoke and mirrors. You just keep it on the quiet to sort of go, oh, we've just got these pre-prepared. And if you don't use them, you don't use them. And it's fine. But right. it that seven to 10 minutes of content to say, oh, this person's asked me this question. I'll answer it. This person's asked me that question. I'll answer it. I would use a piece of software called StreamYard. It's free to use. It's very, very easy. And it means that you can actually display the question on the screen. It's literally a press of a button, a click of a mouse, and their question appears on the screen. The thing that I really like about StreamYard is you actually set it up in advance. So if you know that you were doing this Facebook Live at Friday at 8, you could go in on Friday morning set it up, tell it that you're doing it later. It puts a post up in your Facebook group to say, Sue's doing a Facebook Live at eight. Would you like a reminder to come along? And so it puts that in automatically, which makes it a lot easier because you never know when somebody's going to go live or they're not going to go live. And 
you can end up missing it because you don't get a notification. So this takes some of the guesswork out of it. Yeah. Oh, excellent. This is really helpful so far, I have to say. That's what it's all about. One of the other things that you can do is if you're doing a Facebook Live and you know that there's particular points that you want to hit within it, write those bullet points on sticky notes. And then what you do is you put the sticky notes around the edge. See, I've always got sticky notes close by. Put them around the edge of your screen. But what you do is you actually turn the sticky note. So if it's going to go across the top of the screen, put the sticky on the bottom. So if it's going to go on the side of the screen, sticky at the side. So you end up with this like sticky note bunting around your screen. Nobody else can see it, but it keeps you on point while you're working. Yeah, that sounds good as well. Yeah, I do need organisation, I have to say. <laughs> it's the thing that stops you being overwhelmed. I think mm -hmm. the more organised you are, the easier it is to tackle. Because a lot of these things that we're doing, they're not our natural jobs. You're an author, not a marketer, but you've got to put a marketer's hat on to be able to do this because we are everything within our businesses. Even when you've got a small team, you're still a lot more things within your business than if you were working for somebody else. Yeah. You kind of have to think outside of the box with things. And the more you're organized and the more you make it easier on yourself, the better result you're going to get because you're not going to be flustered. You're not going to be overwhelmed. And the worst case scenario when people get flustered and overwhelmed is they don't do it at all. Yeah. Procrastination yeah. comes in and they go, oh, I can't possibly do that. Whew, no. And, and so they opt out. Yes. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it at all rather than do it so it's okay. Don't worry about your first lives if they don't go particularly well. I have experience of this. It can take a little while to get into the swing of it and to actually relax into it. One of the things that you can do is if you want to have a practice before going in front of a live studio audience, you can create a little Facebook group that's just got you and your business partner in it. So you can practice going live in there. Gives you a chance to play with StreamYard software. Gives you a chance to play with different equipment if you choose to add a mic in, for example. And it's a nice sandbox. It's a nice safe environment that you can practice that nobody else is going to see. So actually you can do a few of those Facebook lives that only you get to see and only your business partner gets to see. Don't wait too long to go live in, you know, the big wide world. Right. right. Yes. Because it's then it's too easy to then go, oh, I'm not ready yet. So you kind of have to push yourself when you're at 80%. Go, okay, fine, I'll do it now. But if you record a video in that private Facebook group that's good, you can download it and repurpose it. Right. Yeah. You can keep it. If it's bad, you can pretend it never happened. And yes. Yes. No, that's a really good tip. No, I like the idea of practicing like that first. So I know that the aim is to create a membership. Is that the main thing that you're looking to achieve? Yes, I think so. To so have sort of rolling content, obviously new content, and have a membership fee, hopefully retain people in there. So at the moment, we've got a free Facebook group, but we'd have the paid Facebook group as well for those who join the membership. And then, as you've said, it would be putting together the program for the year and adding fresh content each month. With memberships, you have to be really careful to not give them too much because the number one reason people leave memberships is because they're overwhelmed with the amount of content that's in there. And I think as the business owner, we're so desperate to look after people. We don't want people to feel shortchanged. 
So rather than give them soup and a sandwich, we give them soup, sandwich, three cakes, a sausage roll and anything else we can find. And of course they go, I can't cope with this. So we're back to strategy again. This seems to be the, the word of the day for us, Sue. It um, does. I know that quite recently I changed the format for our membership, which is the Shoot for the Moon membership. Because what I found from talking to people is actually the number one issue people have is accountability. It's that procrastination element of I'll do it tomorrow. And I know for me, I've had I'll do it tomorrow. And it actually was about three months when I went, oh, I haven't done it. Yeah. That kind of was a bit of a slap with a wet fish to kind of go, I've let that slide so much. So I know accountability is a big thing. So within our month, Every three months, we release a course, which our membership get as part of their membership. So that's released in week one. Week two, we have a community call, which basically gives them the opportunity to have a look at the course and ask us any questions in a live Zoom call. We record the Zoom call and it goes up in the hub. So people that can't make it can watch it afterwards. And then in week four, we have a brainstorm breakout session, which is a mini mastermind. It's a chance for peer support. So they can come in, they can have a conversation. And it's just that high mind element of saying, oh, I've got an issue and somebody else can help think it through. And it's just that conversation. Actually, it's probably the most valuable element that we have in there. It's amazing. But the good thing is with having the course, that the course is available elsewhere. The course is available on the website as well. But the course is available to the membership. That's no extra work. I was making the course anyway. What I'm doing is providing a community that they feel safe, supported, but have accountability within. So then in the second month, we do a challenge around that course. And then we have the community call and we have the brainstorm breakout session. And then in month three, we have a tech talk with a guest expert. Guess what? It's relevant to the course that we had in month one. So everything links through to this strategy. So it's actually like four courses a year, four challenges a year four expert talks a year. That's what I need to put together. And then the other elements of it don't need any pre-planning other than making sure that the Zoom link goes up in the Facebook group on the day before or on the same day in the morning. So by keeping it really simple, again, it takes out that element of overwhelm because you know how you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I've been in memberships myself where there's so much material you know you just don't know where to start so I had been thinking it would be changing the content monthly but I can see from what you're saying that actually having those four courses a year is a good strategy and giving people plenty of time as well doesn't it to yeah to work through it as well so we work on a particular methodology and if I can remember this I'll be impressed with myself so it's you study it first then you discuss it, then you implement, and then you reflect. So we work through on those four. So the reason that we have the challenge in month two is because it gives them chance to implement it. So if the course is about short form video content, yeah, they can do the course. Have they made any short form content? Well, that's debatable. But then if they do the challenge in month two, they have to make it. It brings an accountability into it. So say, for example, the content that you put out in month one is about creating poems. Then you can look at the structure of poetry. You can look at other people that have done poetry. 
You can look at good things. You can look at bad things. You can look at funny things. So you've got all the elements there. And then in month two, we're going to write some poetry. (laughs) So that's where the challenge comes in to say, okay, it's now over to you. So you'll need to put the structure there. But then a lot of that structure is about accountability. So in week one, we'll be doing this. Week two, we'll be doing that. And then you can celebrate them in week four by having, is it called a poetry slam off? Yeah, poetry slam. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Thank you. So you could actually have an event as part of week four to have a poetry slam where actually you get everybody involved on a Zoom call and you record the Zoom call. And guess what? That makes more content. Because when you can release elements of that out into your social media to show people what an amazing place it is to be in your membership, and then that draws people back in as well. Yeah, yeah, really good. No, that's a great idea, actually. And it's quite like the example of poetry is quite a contained thing to start with. It's a smaller, more bite-sized thing to do as well. The big thing is to know what it is that your membership, your members want to achieve. So I know that my members are business owners that want to use video for the businesses. They, you know, they want to harness the power of video. They want to connect effectively with their audience. They want to build that relationship. So everything we do is based around that because it's important. It's based around what your members want and need, which can be two different things, but it's based around that, not on what you want to deliver. And that can be really difficult. I know when we started off, the first thing we did was a five module monster course that takes you from pre-production to post-production and beyond. And of course, nobody was interested because it was too big. Right. So because we're now taking elements of it, it makes it a lot more palatable. And in the long run, we'll still take people through a longer journey, but it's like having chapters in a book. If you pick up a book and the chapters are massive, then you're less likely to start to read the chapter because you think, oh, I'm not going to get to the end of that. But if you've got little dinky chapters, chances are you'll read four chapters, which is the same size as the one chapter in the big book, but you don't feel it in the same way. Yeah. So there's ways of doing it that maybe it's a little bit more sneaky, but you'll still get people there because you're using psychology to do it with. No, no, I agree with that. It's the example of the chapters is perfect because I'm exactly like that. It's like if you look ahead, you think, oh, I'm a <laughs> Yes. So did you start off with some sort of survey or questionnaire or something to find out what your membership wanted? Actually, it was going on to podcasts and being a guest speaker. Okay. So if you sort of say to people, talk to me about creating video, nobody wants to talk to you. I right. Interesting. I don't know if, well, there's definitely a male-female divide because so far, all of my guests in this format have been female. I haven't had any guys at all, which I think speaks volumes about it. But I needed to do it in a way that actually was a little bit more covert. So I had a conversation with you and Myra. Yes. And I got so much out of that conversation because I could hear the language that Myra especially was using about video. And it was like, that really got my cogs whirring. But then being a guest speaker in other memberships and looking at the type of conversations you're having made a big difference because people were talking to me in real language. So yeah, by being a guest expert, by being a podcast guest, 
I could yeah. gauge a lot more about what people's thought process and mindset was. And it's changed my business hugely because I've made the assumption that people wanted to learn video production and they don't. They want to get over the fear of being on camera. They want to be able to cope with making the videos, even though they're not technical and they don't really have a budget. So they need to know how to do it on the cheap. They don't want to be filmmakers. They don't want to be videographers. They want to use video in the business. So you have to simplify it as much as possible. So it yeah. changed the approach that we had to everything to do with the Video Production Academy. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so you recommend really being a podcast guest. Yeah, that's a good idea. Give you a chance to speak to people while promoting what you do. So as a podcast guest, you get to talk about your membership. You get to talk about your courses. You get to position yourself as an authority. You get to be Sue Williams' author, which I know that you know that you are. But actually, as a podcast guest, people go, oh, that's Sue. She's an author. And I don't right. notice this, but when people are authors, we kind of have them on a pedestal because there's this idea that everybody has a book in them but most people don't manage to write and sure. done that. So we're like, oh, all hail author. So I think that's something that you can really harness as a guest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it would be worth you putting together something that is your signature talk, because then that can be your story that you go with. And again, it makes it easy because you're not reinventing a wheel each time that you go out. So at the moment, my main thing is about confidence on camera because that ties in with the course that I've just launched last week. And so it gives me that opportunity to talk to people about, well, these are the elements that you need to be confident on camera. You need to be confident in yourself. You need to be confident in your voice and you need to have your space set up because it takes away procrastination. So it's really easy to wheel this out each time. And mm -hmm. every time I pop up somewhere else, it's like, oh, there's Lee, she's talking about confidence on camera again. Oh, confident self, confident voice, confident space. Next. And so yeah. A lot easier to put that together. And actually, a signature talk is something that you could create for your business as well that you have on your website, that you have on your YouTube channel. You could have it as a webinar. There's lots of different things that you could do with it to then still continue to draw people in. Yeah. 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 Particularly, I think in a writing environment, having a signature talk makes a lot of sense. Because really that's one of the things you'd be getting people to think about as well, their own backstory and journey. So, yeah. One of the things that I'm finding when I'm putting courses together is I think I come from a position of putting it together because it's what I would want to learn. So it isn't necessarily what I know to start off with. The Be Camera Confident course is there because... I started off from a place of not being able to speak on camera, of being very, very nervous and completely rubbish. And so I needed to work on that. And so the course is kind of like a condensed version of that. The next course I'm doing is Talk Savvy, and it's about creating a signature talk because it's something that I'm finding that I'm doing being on podcasts and summits and things. So it makes sense then to go, okay, how do I need to do this? Or I can teach other people how to do it. And that's kind of the way the courses are coming about is I need to learn this, then I can put it out to help other people as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you said, it's already obviously relevant to me. <laughs> I can relate to everything you've said. <laughs> I think it's relevant to a lot of people. It certainly seems to be. And I think it depends 
on what area that you're circulating in, especially from the perspective of an online presence. I know a lot of the training that's out there says, oh, be in 40 Facebook groups and add value. And what I find is if you're in Facebook groups like that, when they say, oh, you can pitch or you can promote, ends up like a piranha fest that everybody just jumps on the thread, posts their thing. Nobody's reading anybody else's. And actually it doesn't gain anything. And I found it very stressful because there were certain days you could post certain things. So I ended up with a spreadsheet that I would sit down and go, okay, which are the different places that I'm visiting today? And sort of scanning through and reading bits. And I wasn't getting anywhere with it. So if I get to be on a podcast or I get to be a summit speaker, that's just me and them. Not me, them, and a hundred other people vying for the same attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a lot more savvy way of actually putting yourself out there. And you get that opportunity to position yourself as an authority in a different way. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a definite issue at the moment of people lifting other people's courses. No, right. No, I didn't. Declaring themselves instant experts. So there's a lot of false information at the moment about, oh, join my course and in a month's time, I'll make sure you're a millionaire. There's these overnight success courses, which, you know, people Mm -hmm. buy into them because people are naive. But actually being a guest means that you get to talk on a different level. People ask you questions and you can demonstrate the depth of your knowledge within that. Whereas if you're just posting in a Facebook group, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I hadn't really thought of that strategy before. So any tips about how to go about finding the right podcasts to be on? There's a few different podcast groups on Facebook. Some are definitely better than others. I would say in the first instance, Go on anybody's that'll take you because (laughs) it gives you a chance to hone your skills. So I've been on a few podcasts that maybe have a dozen downloads, maybe less, maybe more, but that's okay because it gave me a chance to learn to be a good guest. And then you kind of work your way up with it. You get a bit braver. There's somewhere that's like an application form and then that scares me, but I'm getting braver and I do go to the ones with the application form now as well. But it's just about being in the right place and being prepared to say, you know, actually, I'm happy to be a guest. You can also be in these Facebook groups. And I don't know if there's any on LinkedIn, because I know you're a lot more active on LinkedIn. You could actually be in the group and say, I'm open to being a guest. And then you give them some information on what you could be a guest on. And then people reach out to you and say, oh, actually, that fits in with. Same with the summits. People say, we're doing a summit on this. If you're interested, let me know. What can you speak on? So I'm doing one next month called Video Revolution, where initially I was interviewed with the idea of doing camera confidence, but they've got a psychiatrist, psychologist. They've got a a psychologist that's going to be doing that section. So they've asked me if I'll come on and do the signature talk one instead, which fits in really nice with the fact that I'm launching a course on that around time. So you'll find that sometimes things line up quite nicely with that and you can just sort of work with it. But I would say in the first instance, just get out there and have a go at being a guest because Mm. it's quite interesting and not everybody's the same. Like as podcast hosts, you'll get a huge variety of difference with it and that's fine. But you'll get to see where people are picking up and you'll get to be able to put yourself out there more as well. Yeah. 
Yes. So all of this feels like a big step, thinking about doing everything at once, it's like the video, the podcast. The... I'll do everything at once. So what I would do in the first instance is I would look at that strategy of saying, okay, what is my content strategy? Not video strategy within that, but what's my content strategy? And look at what my membership strategy is, because they are foundation elements. So you need to know what content's going to be out there. You need to know what you're going to do with your membership before you can be a guest. Because until that foundation is there, what are you going to talk about and where you're going to point people? So yeah. get your foundation ready first. Get that up and running to a point where you go, actually, I'm quite comfortable with this. I'm coping with this. Okay, now I'm ready to get onto podcasts. Yeah. Definitely. Like you say, we're still at the stage, really, of planning out the content and everything. It takes time. Try and make it fun if you can. When I'm doing the planning, I know for me, I like sticky notes and coloured pens. So I have a big whiteboard. I've got lots of different colours of sticky notes and I've got a nice big batch of pens and I just brainstorm it out and it's quite quick. So there's different things you can do. You can look at it from a problem solution point of view and say, Okay, what's 13 issues that my audience will have? And what's four solutions to each of those? And that gives you 52 pieces of content. But what you'll find with that is actually you'll come up with more than 52 pieces of content. We normally come up with about 100 when we do that. But what we do is we sit down and we normally we put the whiteboard on the table. We don't have it on the wall. We put it on the table. We've each got a pack of sticky notes. We've each got a colored pen. And we have a timer that's 20 minutes and we just go for it. And then we just chuck them all out there. And then once that brainstorm bit's done, there's some that you look at that you go, no, that's rubbish. But your rubbish idea might spark somebody else's good idea. So to start with, all ideas are valid and then you can filter it down. And yeah. then because you're on sticky notes, you can start to put them in a different order. So you're not writing it out twice. You just put your sticky notes in a different order. And then... Yeah. That to look at your structure from that point of view. You're definitely selling me on sticky notes during this. I'm just saying. My son, my darling son, the year before last, I bought him seven kilos of yellow belly snakes for Christmas. And so the year after, he returned the favor by buying me an arm's length of post it notes. Literally, <laughs> every shop he went into, he bought a packet of post it notes. I'm still working my way through them. But I use them a lot because I find that that's how I think. Mm -hmm. so a big thing for me is it, it, if I can work out how I think and how I learn, then I streamline the process. So I know for me, sticky notes and colored pens, I'm like preschooler. That's how I work. Other people are much more linear. So mm -hmm. they will write a list. But my head's not linear at that stage. My head is just like, oh, got ideas and stick them all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know how you work, that's great. We just all yeah. work differently. Just find out what works for you. I quite like a thought shower, as they call it nowadays. <laughs> a mind map. Yeah. <laughs> mind maps are great. I mean, for me, a mind map is stage two. So once I've dumped all the ideas down, then it goes into a mind map stage. Then it goes linear. So once I've done the mind map, I then start to get it into an order. And the other thing that I would say is make sure that you batch create your content. So mm -hmm. don't think, oh, I need to make a video today. Like we were saying at the beginning about podcasts or long form video, look at it and say, okay, I'm going to be recording. Friday is my recording day. I'm going to be recording on Friday. This is what I'm going to get recorded. 
And the reason I do it on a Friday is because my son's at school and I work from home. So it's a quieter environment. And last week I managed to get 13 lessons recorded in two hours because I just went for it. And because I'm used to doing it, because I'm doing it all the time, I find that I'm much quicker with it. But then that means that's an entire course got recorded in the space of two hours. Editing's going to take a bit longer, but, you know, I've got the raw video footage that's there. Yeah. You'll find that after you do a couple of videos, you kind of relax into it. You kind of get into the flow as well. But it means you're just setting everything up once. You're doing all the videos in one go. And those videos then can last for months and months and months. And you don't have to edit everything in one go. You can just do little bits at a time. And it's just about working smarter, not harder. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so you've got five questions that you would like to ask me, which chances are we've covered some of this already. Which I was say we've covered quite a lot of sex um, <laughs> So, yeah, the first question was about how we can start using video in our business. Start with your strategy plan and see where video fits in. So don't do video for the sake of doing video. See where it naturally fits in within your strategy. Okay, so how do we overcome our nerves at using video? That was my fourth question. I think a lot of people would like me to be able to wave a magic wand or give a silver bullet for this, but that's not an answer I can give. The simple thing is you have to practice, you have to watch yourself back, and you have to get over the cringe element. Mm. So I know for me, when I first did a Facebook Live, I hated it. Now, I've been working in the media for over 30 years, but I'm always a behind-the-camera person. And all of a sudden, I had to be an in-front-of-the-camera person, and it was not a comfortable place to be. But what I found is, when I watched myself back, it was horrible. But the more I did it, the more detached I became from that experience. So you desensitize yourself. And the more you practice, and the more you do it, the more you relax. And it's at the point when you relax that you actually become much better. And the more video work that you do, the more you get to that stage. So I can now watch myself back and actually be constructively critical about it. So initially, I was just like, oh, look how I look, look how I sound. Why was my hair like that? Why am I bright red? All that stuff. And I just went through this whole critical, oh, yes. my this is awful. Well, now I can look at it and go, oh, my energy dropped at that point. I remember one time I was recording a video and I'm actually recording it at this stage. I think I'm bored. I think, oh my goodness, if I'm bored recording this, nobody's going to, so, and I just stopped it. I thought nobody's going to like this. And so I could be analytical enough to say, I need to go back to square one because I've got something wrong here. And I went back and I redesigned the whole thing. And then that was much better. So you need to get to that stage where you can be critical enough that you can be kind. Certainly I have, that I can yeah. watch it and it doesn't feel like I'm watching me now. But it's just practice. Yeah. <laughs> practice. Right. I was afraid you'd say that. I know, I'm sorry. One of those things, you have to get out of your comfort zone to grow. That's where all the best growth happens out of your comfort zone. And it's being prepared to do it. At the moment, I would suggest that your camera is too low and that you could do with raising it up maybe about four or five inches. Right. 
I used to just have an empty box. I'm all set up now. I've got a proper plinth. But when I started out, I had an empty box that was the right size. So if I was going to record, the box would come out from under the table, go under the laptop, and I was good to go. So it's little things like that that's just practice. Yeah. To say, I need to be sat more square within the frame. I need to change out my lighting a little bit. I need to raise up my camera so it's at eye level. So it's just little things that you pick up over time. But once you get past the cringe factor, that's when you start to look at the other bits. Right. Okay. I should look forward to that point in time. Yeah. Everybody hates starting out. Everybody hates starting out. Okay. Well, I think that's a really, really positive note, actually. That's great. I've got a couple of questions for you. Oh, you've got some questions for me. Right. Okay. Luke, what will happen to your business if you don't do something about this now? I think it will just really be more like a hobby because it's really just been ticking over. I mean, people do contribute, but I don't think anybody would be devastated if it didn't exist. I understand. What are you going to take forward and what actions are you going to take? I think with all the talk we've had of strategy, I think the most important thing probably is, and because there's two of us obviously working in it, I think it is to have a strategy meeting. And do exactly that, look at our strategy. I think what you said, though, about keeping it simpler, and I think less is more, isn't it, really? So it's focusing on those things, I think, that people will probably get a lot out of and that will keep them accountable. I think I'm definitely with you on that one, that people like to be kept accountable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It was a case in point, I was talking to you beforehand about submitting a proposal to create a deck of cards and I would never have got it finished. It hadn't been for the fact there was a deadline and it had to go in. So I do think actually people are motivated by having things where they can, for example, in the writing field, where they can actually contribute to something, you know, whether that's their writing being featured in a newsletter or magazine or putting together... A, a competition book or something like that. I think it's motivating to people to feel that writing is going out into the world in some way. Yes. But I think your membership will be very good at helping people get over the imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think with any industry, there's very much of a, who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be putting my writing out there? I'm just, I'm just me, you know? So I think that you have a really important role to play in that, to encourage people to stand in the gap for people to say, no, you can do this. I, I will wait with you for the letter or the email to come back. You know, I'm holding your, metaphorically, I'm holding your hand in this process. Yes. And I yeah. think that probably has as much value as the accountability element. Yeah, yes, I think so. Because it is an area where, unfortunately, there is, you know, often a lot of knockbacks. And so I think, that whole thing about helping people to realise, hey, you've got to be in it to win it, as they say. So you've got to submit your writing to either submit it to different opportunities or get it out there yourself, really, on your own, on your own platform or in your own book or whatever format's appropriate, really. But knowing that other people are there alongside you and going through that process and are there to sort you back up again is really important. Yeah, I would agree. When are you going to make a start? 
I shall be contacting my colleague straight away to get a date in the diary. How's that? That's sweet. Sounds good. And how can people get in touch with you? Initially, they can contact me through email, sue.williams55 at outlook.com. The Facebook group is called Authors on Tour as well. So they can search for the Facebook group. But if they email me, say they're interested, then I can put them in touch with the group and everything. Perfect. So I hope today's conversation has inspired you to get out there and create videos. If you'd like to come onto the Video Edge, get an application in via the website. And if we think you're a good fit to come on the show, talk at your business and hopefully we'll help grow it, we'll make all the arrangements to invite you on. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. This is the show to help grow your business through video. If you love what we do, we'd love to get our message out to more people. So please like, subscribe, share, whatever it is that you can do to push the show out further. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Video Edge.